Nobody wins unless everybody wins. This is your time. We're in this game. An impossible goal. These guys are good. Scary good. And this crowd is going bananas. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Line Change, the NHL betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Lieboff. I am the hockey editor here at Action. And joining me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him on gambling Twitter as So Money Sports and So Money. Uh, we'll talk about the game twos of round two uh, coming your way on Thursday and Friday. And we'll start with uh, 7 p.m. puck drop in Florida between the Lightning and Panthers. The Lightning are plus 140 underdogs in Sunrise. The Panthers minus 160 at home. The over-under here is six and a half. Tampa Bay, 4-1 victory uh, in game one. In a game where it was almost, we talk about how the Lightning kind of pace themselves in series and they pace themselves during regular seasons. Uh, they kind of download all the information they can on their opponents in the early going or in the regular season or in game one of a best of seven. It's like they did that in the first period against the Panthers. Yeah. And then they just turned it on and they just, they kind of, I guess, found what they were looking for uh, and it worked. And the Lightning were runaway winners 4-1 in a game where they limited Florida to, I think, eight high danger scoring chances, something like 22 shots on goal at five and five, which is well below their numbers uh, on the season. So a good defensive effort, something we said before game one was, you know, the Washington Capitals had a lot of success against the Panthers and I think you were the one who brought up this point, the Tampa Lightning are just going to do what Washington did, except better because they're a better team. Uh, and that looked like uh, it came to fruition. I'll probably be on the Lightning again here for game two. Yeah, and you, you're right. We we touched on this last game. The, the Capitals established the blueprint required to beat the Panthers. They just didn't have the horses to see it through. Tampa Bay has the horses, and we saw that in game one. I don't think the Lightning played a particularly strong game, which which was not surprising. And we saw what an impact Braden Point has with respect to uh, Tampa Bay's offensive output or lack thereof. But like they've done the last three years, they found enough of their game when it mattered to pull it out. For game two, Point will not be available. So I look for Tampa Bay to continue to continue having a little bit of trouble five on five offensively. Um, we closed game one at Panthers minus 160-ish with plus money under six and a half. For game two, we're seeing Panthers minus 160-ish again. And I agree with no adjustment required from game one to game two. Um, there has been an adjustment on the under, which is where I'm looking. Um, we've adjusted from a plus money under to an under six and a half flat. So that's where I had it game one. And I'll be going there again for under six and a half in game two. Uh, yeah, it's a, not a bad bet when you consider how well Andre Vasilevsky played. And now that's yeah. two superlative games in a row um, for the big cat and goal for uh, the Lightning. Also worth noting, Nikita Kucherov looked fantastic in game one after a mediocre series uh, against the Maple Leafs. You know, there was all this talk about the Leafs not catching any breaks in that series. Nikita Kucherov apparently had 102 fever for game seven. That, that sounds like a break to me. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> I knew enough. you'd get something in there. <laughs> I had to. I had to do it. Uh, before I get myself in trouble, uh, let's move to St. Louis and Colorado. Uh, the Blues 
lost 3-2 in overtime, did not deserve to get it that far. That should have been a whitewash that game. They should have lost it going away. Uh, but they're back here for game two as plus 185 underdogs. The Avalanche minus 230. The over-under set at six and a half. One thing that we noted before the series started was Jordan Bennington looked like he had found his playoff Jordan Bennington mode. And that showed in, in game one. 51 saves on 54 shots. The Blues were outshot 13 love in overtime. Uh, and it took a Josh Manson seeing, seeing eye shot through a lot of traffic to get by Bennington. The Blues, I don't think, will play as poorly as they did in game one for game two. This is a good team. Uh, they just were, they were, um, you know, played off the park uh, in game one. The Avs can do that to teams. I just have enough faith that this Blues team is good enough that they're going to pay you back on plus 185 on the road. Um, if that's where this line is going to be sitting at for their, you know, the, the two, three, four, however many home games, uh, road games they play. So I'm going to go back to St. Louis here, plus 185. I like this Blues team, and I think they just have enough firepower offensively that if the Avs drop their level just a little bit, they can be punished for it. This is starting to remind me of last yeah. year again. Um, the Blues were, they were so fortunate to get that into overtime in game one. Of course, I didn't score that game anywhere near anywhere close to a 2-2 60-minute final. The Avalanche just, just dominated that game. Um, I felt that the Blues could give the Avalanche trouble, um, but Colorado is just playing on another level right now. Um, and, I mean, I'm getting flashbacks from last, year's, from last year. This Colorado team speed um, looks like it might be a problem for the Blues. It, it, it is just game one, so you don't, you don't want to overreact too much, but... We also have the backdrop of what happened last year as well. Um, the Avs closed at a 65% win probability. So obviously we need to increase that now based on how game one went. And um, and we don't anticipate any, um, any new news here. So um, the problem, of course, is how much to increase that probability and how to quantify it. Um, we're seeing it at 67% right now. And I, I think that's pretty fair for now. Um, however, we could see the abs number start steaming. So I am interested in seeing how far this goes. The over has been adjusted higher as well, which, which I also agree with. As good as Bennington was, there were still four regulation goals scored with, with an expected goals obviously being higher than that. I probably won't touch the total because I think it's fair with the adjustment. And I would really like not to touch the blues either. <laughs> but um, we'll see where that, where that number goes. Yeah, I think it's going to get high enough for you to play it. Um, one thing I do want to note is, yeah, the Avalanche, they were f- superb in game one. Yeah. They were superb in their sweep of Nashville. Um, they're the best team in the NHL. That said, this playoff is just playing out exactly like they were last year. You know, you switch the Blues and the Predators, right? They swept the Blues. And then in the round two, they dominated the Vegas Golden Knights, a team that people are like, oh, Vegas is going to probably give Colorado a little bit of trouble. They dominated Vegas in game one. Game two played out a little more evenly. You could say Vegas started to kind of find their game in that in that uh, contest. The Avalanche won. But something clicked with Vegas, and, and they would end up winning four in a row. I mean, of course, I'm not saying that that series has anything to do with this one. It's just a lesson to remind, to remind yourself, you know, just because the avalanche did dominate in game one, doesn't mean we're going to see a repeat performance uh, in game two. Um, so I'm, I'm going to trust the blues. You know, I, I, I just think they're good enough uh, when you're getting a plus eight, one eighty-five, And I think this number could get close to plus 200 on a team. This good. You should take it. 
All right, uh, let's move to the Friday games twos now. Uh, we'll start with the Rangers and Hurricanes. The Blue Shirts plus 150 on the road. The Hurricanes minus 170. The over-under here set at five and a half. A rare five and a half in the NHL these days. Don't know how long that one will hang around. But there's there's a couple things you got to touch on in this contest, right? Game one went to the Hurricanes in overtime. They did not deserve the win. The Rangers were terrific in, in the first two periods and then kind of ceded the floor to the Hurricanes and said, you know what, we're okay with a one nothing lead. Why they played like that, I don't know. Uh, took Carolina 18 minutes in the third period to finally break through, and they did. Uh, and it was a terrific, terrific 20 minutes from, from Carolina in that third period. They carried that over into the overtime, get a lucky bounce and win. That said, this was a game. This game was on a silver platter for the Rangers. The, that was the worst game the Hurricanes have played in the playoffs so far. And they've had they had a couple of, you know, I want to call them duds against the Bruins, but they had a couple games where the Bruins really outplayed them. And this one, I just didn't even recognize the team that was playing for Carolina in, in those first 40 minutes. Like this is an all action swarming team. And that was just not what we saw uh, in a playoff game. So a very odd performance from Carolina. But I do think that this is kind of how I would line the series with what we've seen overall from these two teams all season. And then into the playoffs, like Carolina has been a, a really good five on five team all year long. We've touched on the Rangers five on five issues a lot. So I'm probably just going to stay away from this one and think that, you know, the, the, this this series, the Rangers really had a chance to, to grab a foothold in the series and squandered it. Uh, whether they can respond to that, you know, this team has, has bounced back pretty well over the course of the, the postseason. Who knows? But uh, this is a long way for me to say I'll probably be passing here um, and maybe a bet on the over. You know, this is a this is another example of how the game has changed um, in the past. The Rangers, um, they, they, I mean, they tried so hard to nurse that game home up, uh, up one nothing. And in the past, they probably would have gotten away with it. But in today's NHL, you just can't sit back anymore. We saw in the third period, the the Rangers had no interest, no interest at all in any sustained offensive zone possession. Um, of course, with a goaltender like Igor playing behind you, it is tempting to play that way uh, when you have the lead, but. You know, I, I give so much credit to the Hurricanes here for fighting through it and pulling it out in a game where they didn't have anywhere close to their A game. I would expect the Hurricanes to be better in game two. Um, and I also expect some goals since I scored it higher than two goals scored in, in 60 minutes in that game. Yeah, both goalies um, were really good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and game one closed minus 165. So I do wonder if we see that adjusted down just because Oh, Carolina won. They won in, in overtime. Even though they won in overtime, I am not going to penalize the better team pulling out a win when they didn't play well against an elite goaltender. If that gets pushed much lower, I will be closer to the Canes. Um, I agree with you on the total. Um, I thought that the juiced five and a half was fair. Like I mentioned, I, I, I did score it higher. So if that total gets pushed down, to a flat five and a half on, on the over, which which I can see based on the final score in this game, um, the over is the way that I will be looking at as well. Yeah, and I think one thing, if you are trying to look into how that game played out, if the Hurricanes play like they did in that third period, if the games they win, they'll probably win going away because uh, that sustained pressure against a much better team than Pittsburgh with a better goalie backing it up, right? The chances that there's a multi-goal win for Carolina uh, are pretty high compared to where the odds will be. So Carolina on like minus one and a half is probably 
going to provide some value to in the early going off of a performance like that, where, like you said, it was low scoring. People will look at, you know, two, one overtime game playoffs. These, these two teams, maybe it'll play out like the stars and flames just did, but I just don't think that's going to be the case with the way these two teams on paper should match up. All right. On that, we'll move to the battle of Alberta game two on Friday night. Uh, these two teams are still playing right now. Calgary blitzed Edmonton to start the game. Uh, it's 6-4 right now in flavor of the Flames, but this has been an outrageous contest. Um, however, judging off of how this thing has gone, I think we can maybe do our best to, to kind of paint a picture of what the betting market will look like for game two using the one the lines uh, from game one. Same venue, same teams. We're not expecting much injury news uh, coming uh, out of game one just yet. So Edmonton was plus 150 in game one, the Flames minus 170, the over under uh, six and a half. It, it moved to six and a half uh, throughout the day. What do you think for game two? Like what, what are we seeing from game one? These two teams, I, I think, you know, I wrote this in the, and we have a partnership with the New York Post at Action Network. And I wrote this in my series preview and I wrote it before game one that because of the way the Flames played the stars and because of all the, the ways those final scores looked, that betting the over in the series was probably where you should start your handicap because the flames were just, they just ran into a hot goalie. They should have scored more. And if they had scored more, those games would have opened up. Right. So, and then you had the Oilers games with the, the, the Kings where they, they won game seven in a tight one. So based on the recency bias, people probably thinking, Oh, this is going to be a tight rivalry, tightly checked rivalry game. Um, And when the narrative goes into that, like thinking that you should just go against it or at least start your work by, by thinking, okay, is this narrative going to create value by zagging? And I think, you know, in game one, obviously it's easy for me to say, cause game one has 10 goals, um, you know, in the second period already. So it's easy for me to say, but I think that that's probably the way I'll keep looking is, is betting blowout, you know, overs or derivatives that correlate to these games being wide open. You're right. That, that also brings me to a point that I always like to stress is that I think that when you're looking at these games, the, uh, like one of the biggest mistakes you can make is looking at the final score. The final score at the end of the day, it doesn't mean much, right? So I did expect some goals here because the Flames, they are playing well offensively. They played well offensively most of that Dallas series. They just didn't score and you just didn't see it in the final score because like you said, they ran into a hot goaltender. Well, now we're downgrading the goaltending from Jake Ottinger to Mike Smith, right? So... And there's nothing based on on how the teams play that would suggest that Calgary would not continue playing well offensively. So if they continue playing well offensively with a downgraded goalie, you should expect Calgary to start scoring. And that's what we're seeing. That was the basis for the over in game one. We, we, we got a flat six. Um, there's no chance we're going to see that again in game two. I'd be shocked if we don't jump to a juiced six and a half right off the bat here. Um, interesting on the side, though, the the Flames took money in this game from minus 155-ish all the way to a minus 170 close. It's 6-4 right now. The Flames were cruising, but they are playing well. Um, and um, Markstrom doesn't, doesn't look as sharp tonight. If the Flames win this game, it will certainly... The number at the based on the minus one seventy close is certainly going to go higher, but we do need to know how the rest of this game plays out, and obviously in in order to quantify that. So, if this score holds, if the Flames win, I would expect the line to get higher on the Flames. At which point we would have to see that if that's too much of an adjustment. So, 
that's where I am right now. I would be closer on the Oilers in game two if they lose this game and I feel that we're over-adjusted. Um, if the Oilers come back and win this game, then I have no idea. And I would just have to sit back and try to figure this out. It's interesting to see the two games for Friday night, the Rangers, Canes, Oilers, and Flames. They've basically been lined. The series prices were lined the same. And uh, the game one lines were, were lined pretty close as well. And I just see a much wider gap between the Rangers and Hurricanes than I do between the Oilers and Flames, um, mm. which is and, – and it's different because I think – like the Oilers weren't all that impressive in their first round series uh, after a great stretch of hockey down the stretch. And then the Rangers were really bad in their first round series won it after good, after playing well down the stretch. So they, like, there's obviously some it's apples and oranges a little bit, but it's just interesting. Cause I do think that, you know, when you look at these two games, one screams to me that it should be lined a little closer than the other one, but that's just a, a little anecdote before we get to our uh, favorite bets for, Thursday and Friday, this we call this Top Shelf Bets. Top Shelf, where mama hides the cookies. I'll go first. I'm going back to it. I mean, I can't believe it, but I like the St. Louis Blues again. I think you're going to get a pretty good number here. It's plus 185 right now. I'm expecting it to tick up. The Blues, they got pantsed in game one against the Avalanche. The final score doesn't tell you that, but anyone who watched that game knows that the Blues were incredibly, incredibly lucky to uh, have that game go to overtime and have a chance to win it. They got, even with that gift, no shots on goal in overtime against the Avalanche, who had 13 uh, by the time they scored the game winner. All that to say, I'm expecting a better effort from a team like St. Louis who do not need all that many opportunities to make you pay. Like They have a clinical, deep offense. They have a great power play, and their goaltender is in terrific form. All of those are ingredients for a good underdog showing. So I think that, over the course of the series, if you're going to be dealing these plus 185s, and I think it's going to go up uh, on St. Louis on the road, you're going to get paid off on them because I just think this team is just not like the, the Avalanche are the best team in the NHL. I just don't think St. Louis is the gap between them is is this wide as as the uh, as as wide as the odds imply. So I'm going to go back to the well with the Blues as a big underdog and yeah. uh, ready for pain. You're a brave man, and I <laughs> I, I really don't want to join you, but. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, for me, I'm gonna go to the under in um, in Florida un- under six and a half. I think that both teams, it's in their best interest to keep this game five on five. Um, obviously, for the Panthers, they want to keep Tampa Bay off the power play, and for Tampa Bay, I think that even though Florida played better five on five um, in that game, I think that Tampa Bay does have the blueprint to beat the Panthers. So if you keep that five on five, if you keep that low scoring, like we saw in game one, I think that Tampa Bay will have success there. So I think that, and I don't think we'll see much, a big enough adjustment on that total. So I think that there's still going to be some value in that under six and a half. All right. uh, That does it for another episode of Line Change. Uh, For so many sports, I'm Michael Leboff. Best of luck with your bets this week, and we will see you next week.